Section 5 of The Science History of the Universe, Volume 6. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Science History of the Universe, Volume 6, edited by Francis Rolt Wheeler. Zoology Chapter 4, The Higher Invertebrates, Part 1 It seems natural to think of a spider or scorpion as an insect, but in fact they are not true insects, although they belong to the arthropod series of invertebrates. All insects have three pairs of legs and breathe by tracheae. Spiders and scorpions have four pairs of legs and breathe by lung books, an apparatus like modified gills. And in all the details of their anatomy, spiders and scorpions are as different from insects as they are from crustaceans. All insects, excepting perhaps a few unimportant primitive kinds, have wings or have had them at a former period in the development of the race, although in many groups the wings are degenerate or lost. Scorpions and spiders appear never to have developed wings at all. In short, the insect class may be regarded as an adaptation of the arthropod invertebrates to aerial life, the spider class to terrestrial life, the crustaceans to marine life. Each in its own element has had a long and more or less successful career. Each has made attempts to invade the territory of the others. For in the West Indies and other oceanic islands are crabs which pass their life mostly on dry land and the spider swinging in air from a slender thread, and even in some cases traveling through the air on a long film of unattached gossamer, is emulating the habits of the flying insect. But the insects alone have invaded the alien habitats with any great success, and so far as terrestrial life is concerned, they have crowded the spiders and scorpions to the wall. Scorpions are found only in tropical countries and are distinguished by the elongate tail with venomous tip and the large clawed grasping legs in front. They have four pairs of walking legs like spiders. In the old natural history books, they are credited with committing suicide when unable to escape by stinging themselves to death. Unfortunately for the story, aside from the argument that the mental processes of the lower animals are not very likely to lead them to deliberate suicide, the feat is anatomically impossible, and if it were possible, the poison would have no effect. Spiders are common everywhere, and like scorpions, they are all carnivorous, sucking the juices of insects which they capture. Many of them, but not all, 
form webs, and the construction of the web is a remarkable piece of engineering, which must involve highly elaborated instincts comparable only to those of the higher insects. The material of the web is a liquid silk secreted by the spinning glands and forced through the fine tubes of the spinnerets, hardening immediately on exposure to the air. The spun threads are used also to line the nest, to envelop the cocoon, and to assist the spider in his aerial gymnastics. The spiders are by no means confined to webs, but certain of them construct more permanent dwellings. Thus, the mason spiders dig a hole in the ground and then spin across and across the mouth of it a woven door with a hinge at one side. Even less known and more curious is the work of a little water spider who, not desiring to forego the power of air-breathing, spins a silken diving-bell wherein is imprisoned a globule of air. Male spiders are very much smaller than the females, the difference in bulk being sometimes as 1,300 to 1, and more brightly colored. With spiders and scorpions are classed various parasitic insects, such as mites and ticks, and other minute and degenerate forms. The king crab, or horseshoe crab, has also been discovered to be more nearly related to the arachnoids than to the crustaceans, which it resembles in appearance and habitat. And another group of aquatic animals, the Eurypterids, now extinct, is regarded as most nearly related to the scorpions among living animals. The Eurypterids inhabited brackish or fresh water during the Paleozoic era, and some of them attained a length of six or seven feet, a truly formidable size for that ancient period. The numbers and variety of insect life are far beyond those of any other animals, at least upon the land. More than half the described species of zoology are insects. More than three-fourths of the land animals belong to this class. And the innumerable hosts of some sorts make them, despite their small size, the most dreaded and dangerous enemies with which man has to contend. The seriously noxious insects are indeed a small minority. Most are indifferent so far as man's welfare is concerned. A few are actively beneficial. But as a class, it must be affirmed that the harmful activities of insects outweigh their beneficial action. They are rivals with man for the possession of the fruits of the earth, and if to the damage on this score be added their activities as carriers of infectious diseases, they may well be regarded as the most formidable enemies of man in the animal kingdom. The insect is an evolution from the primitive worm or annelid type adapted to terrestrial life 
as the crustacean is to marine life, and the structure and plan of organization is much the same in both. There are two most important differences. The first of these is that the crustacean breathes by gills, the insect by tracheae, branching tubes which ramify into every part of the body and by expanding and contracting, take in fresh and expel vitiated air as do our lungs. The second difference is that the insect has wings, generally four of them. The arrangement of the nervous system, the circulation, the appendages and mouth parts, the sense organs, and the alimentary system are much as in crustaceans. In comparison with higher vertebrates of the land, the insect shows a fundamentally different plan of organization. Thus, in a vertebrate, the principal nervous system is along the dorsal, in an insect, along the ventral side of the animal. In a vertebrate, the jaws open up and down, and the teeth are originally modified scales. In an insect, the jaws open sideways, and the teeth are modified legs. In a vertebrate, the skeleton is internal. In an insect, it is external. The heart of a vertebrate is in its thorax, the stomach in its abdomen. In an insect, the position is reversed. The vertebrate pumps vitiated blood from the tissues to the lungs to be aerated. The insect pumps fresh air to freshen the vitiated tissues directly. The wings of a bird or a bat are modified legs. The wings of an insect are outgrowths from the skin of the back, and so on throughout. The resemblances between insects and land vertebrates are mostly superficial. Their plan of organization is wholly different, and the similarity is due to both being adapted to live on land. The resemblances between insects and crustaceans indicate relationship. Their plan of organization is fundamentally the same, the differences being due to adaptation to terrestrial life in one, to aquatic life in the other. Note that there are water insects and likewise land crustaceans but the land crustaceans still breathe by gills, a method evidently adapted for water breathing, and the water insects are dependent upon air for breathing, so that they have to come to the surface from time to time at least. The most important feature of the development of the higher orders of insects is the metamorphosis or change of form from larval to adult. The egg hatches into a larva wholly different from the adult in form, internal organs, and manner of life, and the larva in changing to the adult form 
undergoes a metamorphosis which involves the almost complete breaking down of all the structures of the body into a mass of formless tissue and the rebuilding out of this formless tissue the organs and parts proper to the adult this extraordinary change takes place in from two or three days to several weeks and the insect undergoing it is called a pupa in the lower orders of insects there is no metamorphosis or a very incomplete one the meaning of this change and the object of it in furthering the interests of the insect is not very clear obviously the wingless crawling larva may be regarded as having once represented the ancestral type from which the insect is descended but as now greatly altered to fit the requirements of its own juvenile habits and environment and it is possible to explain the breaking down of the old tissues into a formless mass of cells by supposing that larva and adult have each proceeded so far on their divergent specializations of structure and form in adaptation to the needs of each that it has become cheaper so to speak to break down the old tissues and build anew rather than to modify the old into the new tissues along the lines of natural development setting aside certain primitive wingless insects the three orders ephemerida plecoptera and odonata mayflies stoneflies and dragonflies are given lowest rank among insects because of their incomplete metamorphosis all of them haunt the freshwater ponds rivers or streams wherein their larvae dwell and are not seen far away from water the larvae are at first wingless provided with gills instead of spiracles so that they are not obliged to come to the surface they develop rudimentary wings during their larval life and change to the adult form by a succession of molts like crustaceans without any breaking up of the internal structures the dragonflies are unexcelled among insects says kellogg for swiftness straightness and quick angular changes in direction of flight the successful maintenance of their predatory life depends upon this finely developed flight function together with certain structural and functional body conditions which might be said to be accessory or auxiliary to it all have four well-developed wings the body is long smooth and subcylindrical or gently tapering this clean slender body offers little resistance to the air in flight and serves as an effective steering oar the wings are long and comparatively narrow fore and hind wings being much alike the head is unusually large and more than two-thirds composed of the pair of great compound eyes more than thirty thousand facets have been counted 
in the cornea of certain dragonfly species. For accurate flight and successful pursuit of flying prey, the dragonfly has full need of good eyes. The jaws are strong and toothed, and obviously well adapted for tearing and crushing the captured prey. When the prey is come up with, however, it is caught not by the mouth, but by the leg basket, and then held in the forelegs while being bitten and devoured. The internal anatomy is specially characterized, as might well be imagined, by a finely developed system of thoracic muscles for the rapid and powerful motion of the wings and the delicate and accurate movements of the legs. The respiratory system is also unusually well developed. The prey of the dragonfly may be almost any flying insect smaller than itself, although midges, mosquitoes, and larger flies constitute the majority of the victims. The good that is done by dragonflies through their insatiable appetite for mosquitoes is very great. Now that we recognize in mosquitoes not only irritating tormentors and destroyers of our peace of mind, but alarmingly dangerous disseminators of serious diseases, malaria, yellow fever, filariasis, any enemy of them must be called a friend of ours. Dragonflies are a very ancient race of insects. They tenanted the strange antique forests of the coal period, and some were, for an insect of gigantic size, one having a spread of wings of nearly two feet. Others are found in the still older forests of the Devonian, and indeed it is to the ancient life and ancient land that dragonflies seem peculiarly appropriate. The dark, somber, tropical swamp forests of those early days, their trees, gigantic club mosses, ferns, and horsetail rushes, before the appearance of flowers, of broad-leaved trees, of land vertebrates, seem peculiarly fit to be tenanted by insects which today are associated with similar life conditions and which have no relations with flowering plants or with the higher developments of insect life. The various kinds of bugs, scale insects, and plant lice, which make up the order of the hemiptera, or bugs, have the mouthparts modified into a sucking beak. They feed upon the juices of living plants or the blood of living animals, and include the worst of insect scourges. Owing to their sucking habits, they are more difficult to combat than the biting insects, and their fecundity is enormous. The order Hemiptera, says Kellogg, includes over 5,000 known species of North American insects, representing a large variety and a great economic importance. Some of the most destructive crop pests and most discomforting insect scourges of man and the domestic animals belong to this order. 
the chinch bugs ravages in the corn and wheat fields of the mississippi valley offer effective evidence to the dismayed farmers of the workings of a displeased providence the tiny sap-sucking aphids and phylloxera and insignificant-looking scale insects make the orchardist and vine-grower similar believers in supernatural moral correction by means of insect scourges and the piercing and sucking lice and bugs in the english meaning make personal and domestic cleanliness a virtue that brings its own immediate reward the name hemiptera is derived from the character of the four wings shown by most though by no means all of the members of the order this is the thickening of the basal half of the otherwise thin membranous wing so that each forewing is made up of two about equal parts of obviously different texture and appearance hence half-winged all hemiptera except the male scale insects have an incomplete metamorphosis the young at birth resembling the parents in most essential characteristics except size and the presence of wings by steady growth with repeated moultings and the gradual development of external wing pads the adult form is reached without any of the marked changes apparent in the insects of complete metamorphosis with similar mouth parts the young have in most cases similar feeding habits preying upon the same kinds of plants or animals that give nourishment to the parents the extent of the injuries done by various members of this order to farm and orchard crops to meadows and forests and to our domestic animals is enormous of the other insects the order of beetles includes numerous crop pests and the caterpillars of many moths and a few butterflies do much damage locusts have a healthy appetite for green things and many kinds of flies could be lost to the world to our advantage but perhaps no other order of insects has so large a proportion of its members in the category of insect pests the single hemipterous species blissus leucopterus better known by its vernacular name of chinch bug causes an annual loss to grain of twenty millions of dollars the grape phylloxera destroyed the vines on three million acres of france's choicest vineyards the san jose scale has in the last ten years spread from california to every other state and territory in the united states and become a menace to the whole fruit-growing industry so despite their small size and their general unfamiliarity to laymen the hemiptera are found by economic entomologists in their warfare against the insect scourges of the country to be one of the most formidable of all the insect orders remedies for sucking insects are not readily found kerosene emulsion is the one chiefly employed 
fumigation or spraying with tobacco is effective on a small scale and for scale insects when the leaves are off the trees hydrocyanic acid fumigation or lime sulfur salt spraying are used the orange scale has been successfully held in check by importing and fostering a ladybird beetle which feeds upon it and the chinch bug by introducing a parasitic fungus which kills the bugs by wholesale when the weather conditions favor its spread the order orthoptera includes the cockroaches locusts grasshoppers and crickets all familiar types of insects many of them of large size and several ranking among the important noxious insects on the other hand their active leaping and noisy flight their cheerful trilling and chirping lend a variety and interest to outdoor life which one might sadly miss if deprived of their companionship their music is rather instrumental than vocal since it is made by rasping the wings against each other or against the roughened inner surface of the thighs in all this order the mouth parts are modified for biting and they mostly live on vegetable food especially upon green leaves in the grasshoppers locusts and crickets the hind limbs are modified for leaping the cockroaches praying insects and walking sticks are walking or running types the roaches are one of the most ancient and persistent groups of insects they shared with the dragonflies the dominance of the ancient forests of the coal period and are today a familiar household pest especially in tropical countries and aboard ships the mantis or praying insect is a carnivorous type feeding upon flies or other insects which may come within reach and its curious attitudes have caused a variety of fanciful or superstitious legends to gather around it to kill a mantis is very generally considered sinful or unlucky and among the quaint monkish legends is one of saint francis xavier who seeing a mantis moving along in its solemn way holding up its two forelegs as in the act of devotion desired it to sing the praise of god whereupon the insect caroled forth a fine canticle the most singular of the orthopterous insects are the walking sticks which mimic the green twigs and stalks of grass among which they live in form color and characteristic attitudes so closely that they are one of the best examples of protective mimicry the swarms of locusts which from time to time descend upon cultivated agricultural regions devouring every green thing in their path and bringing ruin and desolation to the farmer are now known to be normally inhabitants of the high-lying grassy plains driven from their accustomed feeding grounds by exceptionally dry seasons which have withered and destroyed the grass of the high plains 
they cannot maintain themselves permanently in the moist climate of the low-lying valleys and for their periodical incursions there is little remedy except to fight them in the high dry plains which are their natural home the termites or white ants are quite unrelated to the true ants and quite unlike them in appearance they belong to the lower orders of insects the young are like the adult from the time they emerge from the egg and do not undergo any metamorphosis but like the ants they have an elaborate social organization and live in great colonies mainly composed of sterile workers of several castes among the ants bees and wasps these sterile workers are always females with the termites they are of both sexes the colony is presided over by a royal pair whose functions are confined to egg-laying as with the ants the workers are wingless and the fertile males and females are winged only during the swarming season when they leave the nest to found new colonies termites live upon dead wood and are abundant mainly in tropical or subtropical regions where they are fearfully destructive to all wooden buildings furniture etc except they be constructed from some of the few kinds of wood that are immune to their attacks the great hillock nests which they construct are a prominent feature of the landscape in some parts of tropical africa their habits and complex social organization are almost as remarkable as those of the ants but the communal instinct is not quite so strongly developed End of section five